Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. My name is Brendan Walt, and I am the founder and host of the Dad the Man podcast. Now, if you haven't already, please do me a huge favor. Leave us a rating and review and subscribe to the show. I cannot thank you enough for your support. So today's guest is none other than the Peter Burns. Peter Burns is a studio host for SEC Network, where he regularly hosts the show SEC Now. In addition to his studio role on SEC Network, he has provided analysis as a course reporter on SEC Network's live coverage of various sporting events, contributing to studio programming across all SEC networks, including the Paul Feinbaum Show, College Football Live, and SportsCenter. And he recently served as a commentator on the PGA Championship's coverage on ESPN+. Prior to joining SEC Network, he was the host of the Press Box on Mile High Sports Radio based in Denver, which was syndicated on several stations across the region and simulcast through a partnership with the Denver Post. Before moving to Denver, he co-hosted Fox Fantasy Freaks on Fox Sports Radio for five years beginning in 2008, which grew into a three-hour year-round program that was syndicated in over 100 cities nationwide. One thing I appreciate most about Peter is his raw humility. The level of gratitude he carries for the opportunity to work his dream job and also to love and lead his family is undeniable. Despite being a king in the world of sports, he's as down-to-earth and as easy to talk to as anyone you'll ever meet. He's an objective and rational thinker, gifted communicator, and has never shied away from taking ownership in all areas of his life. But above it all, Peter is a phenomenal man, husband, and father, and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to chat with him. So here's my conversation with the Peter Burns. And we are live. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Dad, the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall. I am your host. And today we have a very special guest um, that I'm super excited to, to chat with, uh, the one and only Peter Burns. Now, Peter, before I let you jump in, <clears throat> just want to say, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. Uh, for, I'm a big Auburn football fan, so SEC football fan. Um, been, been following you for a long time. Have always been a big fan. I've become a bigger fan watching you, following you on Instagram, seeing the way that you are so uh, you know present and intentional with your family. It's so cool to see you do that. And then, you know, in getting ready for for this interview and and digging a little bit deeper and, and listening to you on some other shows. Um, I'll give a shout out to Sarah Spain's podcast. I thought she did a great job interviewing you, listening to you talk about some of the you know the the heartbreaks, the failures, the setbacks, the disappointments in your life, and how you've really used those and embraced them to propel yourself into growing into the man, the professional that you are today. Um, so with all that being said, you know, thanks for leading from the front. Um, thanks for being here today. Uh, Mr. Peter Burns, welcome to the show, brother. Man, I kind of want to just end the podcast right there, or like with that kind of <laughs> intro, right? Like I'm sitting there going, all right, well, maybe I'm not screwing up too many things. So, Brendan, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we get co- closer and closer to the start of the season. Uh, and by the way, if you, if you hear me huffing and puffing, it's because my wife told me that I cannot neglect going to the gym just because it's football season. So uh, <laughs> I may or may not. You, you may or may not be helping me 
uh, and vice versa here, get through the, um, you know, the, the big treadmill stuff is uh, I'm realizing having two kids under four, like I got to be in shape for this whole season. Like it used to be, oh, I could just roll out of bed, do morning radio, do, you know, SEC network stuff. Yep. Now that I got, I got to chase two kids around before the show starts. It's, um, it's a, it's a different world we're living in here in 2021. <laughs> Takes a different level of intentionality, doesn't it? Oh yeah. There's zero doubt about it, but you know what? I, I got this, um, you know, next to my radio clock in my studio at home, I've got a sign that says 10,000 and it's, it's, it's our daily reminder. Like every time I look at the clock, I realize like there are 10,000 people that if I, you know, didn't have this job they would apply for it tomorrow so it's a kind of a way that kind of keeps me grounded every single day and just so flipping happy i get invites to do stuff like this and and talk a little sports and and life with you that's awesome it's it's a it's a common thread i'm starting to see in, in doing this podcast is the the people that are, that are high achievers in what they do and are you know are very visible and showing up as a man husband and father at their home they seem to have these things these like tangible things that anchor them a little bit and and you just hit hit on that right out of the shoot that that 10,000 you know um you know it there's going to be a line let down the block and around the corner waiting to sign up uh, for your job if you're ever not there and you know that just as you said that it kind of struck me and somebody uh, a previous guest on the show mentioned this too just to contrast that a little bit is that you know there's you know million people that would love to have your job and um but to think about you know there's only if i think about the number 1 there's only one Peter Burns that can be the loving husband and the loving father within his own home. So, um, you know, that just made me think about that when you said that, how powerful, just something that you can reach out and touch and, and keep you anchored. It's uh, that's really cool that you, that you practice that. Well, and I mean, for us, it's kind of, you know, it's a balance that I'm still trying to learn as well too. Like I said, when it was just, you know, me, I could just sit on Twitter all day long before it was, you know, the kids and the wife kind of understood, you know, my wife has been a fantastic kind of rock and foundation for our family, but you know, she knew what this job entailed, but, you know, trying to combine that with, Hey, on a Saturday, as soon as I get home from the studio, I've got the two-year-old that just woke up from a nap and the four-year-old wants to play. And yet, you know, trying to do something and, and figure out, you know, what's going on in the the, the marquee CBS game that's happening at 3.30. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And that's one thing I'm still trying to learn and trying to find my balance. And I don't think I've even found it four years down the road with kids is how do you truly stay present and not tethered to your phone or social media in our industry when things, you know, rapidly change. Uh, and the sport is rapidly changing. Um, um, doesn't even fall week to week. It feels almost day to day. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that too. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I think it's easy for, or, or, and it's a lazy perspective for someone to watch a guy like you on, on TV and be like, oh man, Peter Burns, he's got it going on. Like he's crushing it. You know, he's got this great job. Completely ignoring the fact that all these things, all this, all these normal life things that are going on in the background that probably mean even more to you, you know, with your, with your family, with the kids running around with the coordinating, um, you know, that's, I guess the, the, the side that most people don't get to see. And that's a big part. That sentiment there is a big part of the reason I wanted to start this show is to, to highlight the fact that, you know, guys, guys like Peter Burns, guys that we all know and love, we see them on TV, like, and they're, they're great husbands and fathers first. And then what they do for a living is often, you know, just an extension of the support that they get from home. So I'm glad that uh, I'm, I'm very glad that you brought that up. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for leading me right into that. That was perfect. 
Oh, that's easy, man. And like, and like I said, I think that's everybody in our industry because, you know, I'm lucky at SEC Network. I, w- I would say, you know, probably 85% of the time I'm in Charlotte where our home studios are at. So, you know, I'm not traveling as much. I travel a little bit more in the spring when we're doing, you know, baseball and college World series stuff and spring tours. But, you know, the amount of guys like Tom Hart and our broadcasters, guys that are, you know, Greg McElroy that are on the road, all the time, each and every week, it's, man, that's where it's really, really challenging. Like, I, you know, I'm going to go do my show at SEC Network today, and I'll, but I'll be done at 7.30 and I come home, you know. And for these guys, you know, in a typical year covering college football, Brandon, they're, they're on the road starting probably, you know, Thursday morning for coaches' meetings, and they go to practice, they do a game. Sometimes they do the night game, they don't get home until Sunday, and then all of a sudden they just re-rack it and go out four days later. So it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting balance, but, um, you know, we're, we're pretty damn blessed to do what we get a chance to do. Uh, let me ask you this. I've heard you, I've heard you mention this before. You, you mentioned your wife. Is it true that when you, when you first got the offer to, uh, to, I guess to, I don't know if it was to, to interview, I guess, for your role at, with SEC Network, did you originally say no to that? Yeah, I absolutely turned it down. Because, you know, my thought was I had done sports talk radio in Denver. I own my own company out there. And I got to know Woody Page a pretty decent amount. And, you know, I saw Woody doing some stuff around the horn. And so my always thought was like, all right, once Woody kind of slowly starts retiring, he'll, you know, I'll start getting an opportunity, kind of do a couple fill-in jobs here and there. And then, hey, that would be kind of a passing of the baton. And when they said, hey, we want you to audition, but we want you to audition for an anchor, I'm like, holy bleep, like, I've never read a, you know, highlight before. I don't know how to read a teleprompter, whatever. And I, I told I, I told them, no, I wasn't going to do it. And my wife looked at me and she's like, what the hell are you thinking? And she was just like, dude, you go do it no matter what. And, and it goes to show you, like, I don't even want to think about where I would be at right now had, you know, my wife not made the smart decision to tell me to pick up the phone and, and say yes to it. Uh, and I was afraid of failure when it came down to it. I mean, that's, you know, I didn't want to fail so bad that ESPN would look at it and go, well, we'll never use this guy for anything. And she said, don't attack it with that attitude, attack it with the attitude that like, Hey, you're going to go over there. And maybe if they don't see an anchor out of you, they might see another role for you. And like I said, that's, that's uh, her writing my history, which is part of their, our family foundation. I think that's so cool that she she intervened and, and you know really encouraged you to step up and and take that on. It, let me let me ask you a question about that. That's this may be a little bit deeper and a little bit more more challenging to answer, but I think it's important. So when she stepped in to encourage you to push you, what do you think that she saw in you? Like I'd have to imagine that she saw something in you or believed something about you that told her that hey. Peter can do this. And it's, you know, this, this is where I'm going to step in and encourage him to do it. What do you think? Um, what do you think it was that she saw in you um, to encourage you to do that? I mean, I, I'd like to think it was my stunning good looks and my uh, humility, <laughs> but I doubt that was the case. Bruno. And I, I, I think, I think it was two things. One that she saw how hard I worked to even get to the point where someone would ask me to, to get an audition, which I think is important. And I also think that, you know, one of the big strengths that I've learned from my wife, Lauren, was that, like, what are you going to look 10 years down the road and regret when you're making decisions, right? And a lot of these decisions we make are day-to-day, so you don't have a huge regret. Um, 
But, you know, I think she also looked at it and go, what if you say no, and all of a sudden the SEC network gets launched and you had an opportunity for that job, you didn't even give it a go, right? Like, are you going to sit there for 10 years and go, why in the hell did I did not do that? So, um, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of the thing about finding a balance is it's not only a balance with your family, but it's a balance of, you know, finding someone who compliments you in different ways. And that's, that's where I'm lucky, you know, that my, my life is on taking a bunch of up and downs, but, um, you know, I, I found a foundation in her that believed in me and, and, and gave me that, that confidence to actually even try. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's so cool to hear you speak on that. And, and I think it, the, the really important piece in that too is, you know, and, and a mistake that I think a lot of, a lot of men make in, in relationships and in marriages. And, and it's one that I know that I've made myself. It's that, um, you know, it's almost this idea of like, I guess relying on our, on our spouse to, um, I'm trying to think of the, the right way to phrase it, but almost like relying on them to validate us rather than bringing our own strengths to the table, that which could then be encouraged, which I think is what you're saying that you did. Like she saw, Hey, Peter is, he's busting his ass. Like he's, he can do this. And she saw that in you and was able to take that and, and encourage you from, from a place of, I guess, encourage you into the strength that you were already showing. And but, I know but it's, it's also, it also gave me an opposite as well, too. So think about it like, if, hey, if all of a sudden I get in over my skis or all of a sudden if your spouse looks at you and go, you know, honey, I don't, I don't think that's a good look for you or, well, I don't think about that. It's also keeping you in check, too. So like, oh, no doubt, you know, when, when things are going well, I mean, trust me, she almost like is a hawk on my social media. And it's it's not nearly as bad now that I have kids, but I used to get pretty sideways on social media. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> and, she, and she became kind of like my Twitter editor. We were like, I don't know if we need to be putting that out there for this, this and this. And, yep. you know, it probably saved me a lot of headaches uh, down the road. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more, I guess, about uh, your wife and, and the, the role that she plays in, in your family with everything that you guys have going on? Uh, the role that she plays and, and maybe how you support her in her role? Well, I mean, she's by far the smarter person in our, our household. She's an assistant dean for, you know, Wake Forest and, and they're getting ready to start a new uh, campus here in Charlotte. And so she's always wow. been a, a, a whiz kid. And and and, I, and it's funny because SEC Sports brought us together living in Denver, Colorado. So, you know, I was I had started my sports radio company there in Denver, and she was a, um, a big client for one of the stations there. So we'd always see each other at events. And, you know, she found out that I was a big LSU fan. And so sure enough, one day she comes in and uh, all of a sudden she kind of she comes in. At, I think it was one of the, the Pepsi Center for one of the Nuggets games. She comes in and she goes, roll damn tied to me. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I don't, I don't get that. And so, you know, it's funny. It was such an automatic icebreaker for us. Um, you know, halfway across the country, and there we are at a Nuggets playoff game. You know, all we would talk about is LSU, Alabama, and who was going to beat the hell out of each other the following year, right? So, <laughs> um, so it kind of started with that, and you know, from there, she always kind of knew that, hey, if, if we're going to get into this relationship and our lifestyle, it's different, right? Weekends are not weekends, right? Because I'm normally working on the weekends because of games, and you know, just the partnership that she had a great career. She was a senior vice president at 29 for a big corporation wow. and pretty much dropped it all because of my dream job, which was to be the anchor for the SEC network. And, you know, for us to move halfway across the country to a city she's never been away from her friends and her family, 
um, it was huge. And I mean, that's, that's part of that relationship that we have now. And, you know, it's, it, it continues to evolve day to day. That's really cool. So I want to, I want to transition a little bit now. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, your kids, uh, whatever you're willing to share, maybe how, how old they are and and what kind of stuff they're into right now. I never sleep. I think that's the deal. Like, (laughs) um, you know, both of my kids born on Halloween, which is kind of crazy. So my, my daughter, Bo was going to turn four this Halloween. My son, Thomas will turn two on Halloween. And, um, you know, again, you, you, they came at such a perfect time in my life where I kind of probably needed to settle down um, and live for somebody other than myself. And so, yep. you know, that, that, that happened for you know, what a, a great reason. Right. Um, and I think for, for what I realized as well too, is, you know, I, I can't wait that when they can, they can kind of understand what I get a chance to do for a living. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember hearing the stories of, you know, Tom Brady still talks about it and, you know, Peyton, when he was retiring at the end of his career, they wanted to keep playing because they didn't have kids until a little bit later in life. And they wanted their kids to see, hey, look what dad does. Right. Right. And so, you know, a couple of days ago, I come home and, you know, we have SEC Network playing in the kitchen and I'm, I'm kicking, I'm, I'm cooking dinner. And my Thomas, my son, he just points to the television. He goes, dad, dad, dad. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Um and so I, I'm, you know, I, I can't wait till we can, you know, go to go to more sporting events and that they can kind of, you know, get a feel for, you know, the fandom and hopefully kind of create that, but also not keep it spoiled too, because I know a lot of people in our industry, you know, we're lucky enough to bring our kids to events. I wasn't that lucky growing up. Um, I didn't come from a family with a lot of whole lot of money, so you know, for us, it was a huge treat. So I. I just don't want to think our kids think that the uh, sideline passes and opportunities to go to big time, you know, championship games are just the normal life. How, you know, how do you keep them grounded when you have access? It's something I'm, uh, I'm always kind of keeping my, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to balance it. Yeah, no doubt. So, Peter, you are a guy who is, you know, you have the opportunity to to live your dream or to work your dream job. Um, you've accomplished a lot. You're you're a well known and widely respected guy for um, for what you do, and you have a, you know amazing, beautiful family that I know that you're so proud of. Um, thinking about everything that I guess you've experienced in your life, what are, what are you the most proud of to this point? Um. I think it's probably, but I, by the way, great podcast question. I never get asked that question. So a credit to you, Brennan. You know, so I, I think for me, it's just that I've been kind of dealt some weird hands, whether it's, you know, I got married at 22 and, you know, and, and five years later, I come home from, you know, a, a business trip and my house is empty. And I saw, you know, my first wife one time the rest of my life, you know, coming home to an empty house um, and not wallowing in it and just kind of using it to pick myself up and kind of put a chip on my shoulder and say, this is what I want to accomplish. I think it's important. Um, you know, I think I'm proud of the fact that, Hey, once things were rolling and I kind of got big for my britches and got fired for being frankly, just a kind of just, you know, I, I got too cocky. Um, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I was able to at least kind of you know, take a look inside myself and go, nobody's to blame except for myself you know, and taking responsibility and how can I be more present? How can I be more appreciative of the opportunities that I had? And, you know, I think, you know, I had a friend call me a couple of days ago and he, he asked for some advice because the relationship had ended, and, you know, and, and, and that was like the ultimate thing that I thought was cool was the fact that, you know, somebody had asked me advice just because 
I was able to kind of bounce back from those things. So um, I think that's when it comes down to it, you know, just kind of believing in myself and, and not letting those bad days, you know, become my identity and almost kind of using it, you know, turning that focus and that power into something positive. Yeah, I will say in researching you and, and, you know, getting a feel for your story, I will say that is one of the things that really, I guess, struck me the most and that I really respect about you is how you take, you've taken ownership for, for the, for the failures that you've had. Like you said, you, you got a little too big for your britches and, you know, you, you swallowed that pill. You looked yourself in the mirror, you know, picked yourself back up, dusted yourself off and, and kept on moving. So that it's one thing that I, I really do respect about you. So I appreciate you sharing that. What's that for you? Like, what's that for you for your moment that you've had, or have you had that moment that just kind of said, all right, all of a sudden, like, you know, the kind of a wake up call or anything like that. Have you had a bounce back moment? I would say yes. And I would say that it really was, it, it, wouldn't, it wasn't necessarily one moment, but more of, um, more of the experience that I had during, during COVID quarantine, really, you know, I was a guy who I had kids young. I'm, I'm 30 years old. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So, you know, a couple years into oh, my, feel my pain, brother. Yeah. You feel my four-year-old, two-year-old pain, right? Oh now. yeah. Oh yeah. Sleep. Uh, somebody, somebody else on the show said sleep is optional at our house. And I said, yeah, that's, that's about right. That's well said. Um, so, you know, I, my outlet, I think for, for that stress, just like the instinctual response is the male, like gotta, gotta provide, gotta provide, gotta provide. And, and it sounds maybe outdated or, or, you know, socially clunky to say that, but instinctually that's what I felt. So my outlet for that was to work harder. Like I'm going to provide a better living for my family. And, um, over time, you know, time just quickly starts to, to move and things start to change. But I, and probably the, the perfect story of, you know, what a workaholic was. And I just, my default was work, default was work, default was work. And I thought I was doing it for my family. You know, if you asked me at any point in time, I would have said, Hey, I'm doing this for my family. But the reality was most of the time it was coming at the expense of my family and not just in like the quantity of the time that I was getting to spend with them, but like the quality of that time when I did have a small window to make it home for dinner or to see them for a little bit on the weekends or whatever it was like a lot of times I was just distracted and, you know, thinking about, you know, client meetings coming up and, and emails coming in and all this stuff. So, but when quarantine happened and we all had to go sit at home and, um, you know, things changed. I say it was kind of like God pinned me down and, and forced me to watch the the life that I was missing go by. And I, I'm so thankful that that happened. And it was so, it was painful for me in that time. You know, I saw my wife shouldering the burden and I hate to even use the word burden, but there, the reality is it's, it's a full-time job taking care of kids and, and running oh, a home. By, and uh, I mean, far it's far harder than any kind of nine to five job, right? hundred like, percent appreciation I have for my mom, who was a stay at home mom all of our lives. I'm like, there's, I, I mean, now understanding it. And I think COVID kind of made us all understand that a little bit more of like, okay, like how are you president and how do you balance family life work? Cause I think we'll always, I think the calculus and the formula has changed for that over the last probably year and a half more than ever. Yes. And I think that's the, really the silver lining of, you know, the last year and a half. And it's hard, you know, it's, there's a lot of loss of life, a loss, losses of freedom, losses of jobs, losses of wealth, losses of a lot of things. Um, but if, if we can take a silver lining, just having this great reset of what, you know, social norms are, and maybe just slapping us in the face a little bit and saying, Hey, is this the life you actually want to live? Yes or no. If no, let's fix it. Let's course correct. 
so for me, I, I ended up, you know, taking a little bit of a, a pivot in my career. It was a little bit more stable and, um, it's been a, it's been a fantastic move. And, and now I, I'm proud of the, the husband and the father that I am. Whereas in the past, I probably would have said that I was, but I wouldn't have really meant it. Or I would have felt some, you know, dissonance within me when I said it. But well, we're kind of caught. We're kind of we're kind of taught growing up that hey, you listen, you need to provide, you need to do this, this, and this. And sometimes the providing is not necessarily dollars and cents or tangible things. It's more of like providing your time, providing way more importantly, I think your attention, right? Yes. Like, yes. I mean, and I think that's the one thing that I've tried to learn lately, and I'm still still horrible at it. But trying to be more present, whether it's you know, be present when talking to people or be present when you're actually at an event and not, and we're such a microwavable society anymore that we want to know what else is going on or what else is next, that we burn through so many things that, that, that deserve kind of a slow burn and, and no more so than our family in, in that environment that we create. No doubt. I mean, I, I think presence is like, that is the, the crux of it all. And, and what I think, you know, when I feel like I'm feeling in any way, it's usually because I'm not being present. Where my, where my feet are at the time. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a powerful thing. You know, I, I like to, I like to look forward and then think backwards of like, one day I'm going to look back on my life and, you know, think back on the decisions that I made, think about how I allocated my time. And I, I kind of use that, I guess, as like a mechanical tool that I can use now. Like, you know, how am I going to spend the next hour? Like, if, if, am I going to, am I going to hang around for another hour at work or, Am I going to, you know, be early to my son's t-ball game? And, you know, sometimes the answer is A and sometimes the answer is B. It just depends. But at least, you know, like to your point, just having that intentionality to be present and make make the decision. And then once you get to wherever you go, being present in the decision that you made. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, again, I think we get to the point now anymore where it's just like, you know, no, no company, no matter what company you work for, as great as they are, very rarely are they going to go out there and everybody's going to show up at your funeral and put a flower in your grave. Right. So yes. as much as you want to be a company man, I think, you know, now we're starting to realize, hey, the, you know, the best thing you can do is be the company man for your home and your family. And then everything else can kind of go forward. And I think I think companies are starting to understand that more a little bit as well, too. You know, people working from the house a little bit more and People are saying, hey, all right, work can continue to get done. It's just done in a different paradigm or, or you know, a different platform than prior, you know, prior to 2019. And that's that's OK. It looks different. And I think hopefully at the end of the day, we're all happier for it. No doubt about it. I couldn't say it any better myself. So, Peter, I want to I want to be respectful of your time. I promise you I'd get you out of here uh, by noon today. I think we're I think we're a little bit over, but appreciate you coming on and giving us the gift of your time. Like I said, man, this has been an awesome, awesome conversation and uh, glad I could serve as a distraction from the treadmill for you. Um, <laughs> but maybe we can do it again sometime, man. Awesome conversation. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate so, it. So let me know real quick before we go um, with the four and two year old, how do you guys balance? Like, what, how are y'all balancing like the TV aspect of, of life? Cause I'm yeah, when my first kid, you know, when Bo was born, we were like, we're no TV, we're not going to do this. And, you know, it would be an occasional treat. And I find myself like leaning on Coco Melon and Paw Patrol <laughs> just to kind of get us through the when dinner is ready or like, you know, to kind of get us through those moments. How are y'all navigating that? Oh, man, hit me, hit me right in a soft spot. Um, I will say that's one thing that I think we struggled with. Um, out of necessity a lot of times just kind of with everybody being home more in general but you know to really look in the mirror 
I, I honestly, I think it's turned into a crutch in a lot of ways. Like you said, like it's been, it's been tough. Um, when the weather is not great, it's even tougher. Um, for me, I'm trying to, you know, it's, and I'm wondering I, if that's okay. Like I'm you yeah. know, told it's a crutch, but I'm like, at some point I need some damn sanity and I need yeah. a little bit of a couple of times. So. Yeah. I think it's understanding the balance. And like, for, like, for yeah. me, like I'll say like the best days that like I have, like, say it's, say it's a Saturday or Sunday and, and I know I'm going to be home all day. Like I try to not wake up with like this laundry list of other things I'm going to do. I try to think, go into the day with the intention of, Hey, I'm a dad today. I'm a husband today. Like, I'm going to give my kids the time of like, you know, like I'm going to pull it, put out coloring books. Like we're going to go to Walmart. We're going to get some crayons. We're going to get some coloring books. We're going to set it out. I'm going to sit with them while we scribble and do it. And it's going to make a huge mess and it's all good. Like it's all fine. (laughs) But I think it kind of takes that level of like, let me roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty. Um, Because otherwise we do, I think, allow just kind of the monotony of, Hey, we're all, it's another day in the house. It's another day in the house. And then the TV just, it it creeps, it creeps up with the screen time. And then I think the second part of that is me taking ownership of my own screen time. That's something my wife and I've been talking about a lot is like, yo, we got to put our own phones down. We can't, you know what I mean? We can't raise our kids where all they see, like every time they look at mom and dad, mom and dad are looking at their phone and not back at the kids. Well, we've, we've done one thing and then kind of close and one thing that's helped me and, and I don't pitch this, I'm not getting paid to do it, but like getting some type of like Apple watch or something like that to where it's helped me kind of just put, you know, as soon as I get home, I'm going to put the phone on the charger and I have the watch that doesn't yep. allow me to go search Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or something like that. But hey, if somebody is trying to get in touch with me quickly for a text and, and something breaking or a phone call, I, 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 then I know, hey, I can control the phone. And more often than not, as a parent, I find that the control the phone is controlling me. And yep. the farther away my phone is, the more, you know, the, the better it is for me being present with the kids. So yep. I try to do it. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm, I'm trying to get better. It's hard, man. It's sobering when you realize how addicting it really is. Like I, I'll catch myself. Like walking into the restroom, like reflex, pull out the phone, or like I'm walking somewhere in the house, pull out the phone, pull up Instagram yeah, for 30 seconds. I'm like, I can't yeah. make it 30 seconds without checking. Like <laughs> no one else has tweeted. You're fine. You know? Yeah, I mean it's it's addicting. You get the, you get a little dopamine hit every time. Uh, but that's a great call. You know, put put on a watch or or something like that. Make sure there's no emergency you got to tend to. Um, yeah. But then, uh, but yeah, creating some distance. All right, man. Well, I'll uh, I'll let you get rolling. Let you finish your workout. Thanks again, Peter. I really appreciate this. is uh, This has been a, a real privilege to get to talk to you today. Well, and, and I, I, I appreciate that. I think it's my privilege that I get a chance to talk to you and, and do this. And, and, uh, and it helps me, you know, hearing from another dad who's dealing, especially with a four-year-old, two-year-old, like what you're dealing with, I'm dealing with, you know. And so, um, like I said, we're, we're helping each other and hopefully I can come back on and get an invite uh, later in the season to do it. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'll hold you to it. Done. Done deal, Brent. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Peter. See you, man. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See you.